0: So we are uh, picking back up uh, on our series uh, uh, from the Sermon on the Mount, and today we're going to look at Matthew 5, 27 to 30. Uh, but before I read that text, I think it would be good for us to pray. This is a <clears throat> very direct and uh, challenging text, uh, one that uh, probably should catch us up a little bit short, and that's, uh, that's a good thing. That's uh, not, uh, not a bad thing for us. Uh, We've just sang um, that we would um, have a blessed new year of mercy, and I think that would be a good thing for us to pray for, a new year of mercy. Um, uh, We could all use that, I think. So uh, in light of that, let me pray before I read the text. Pray with me. Lord, we uh, confess to you that as we Think today about your words about uh, lustful intent. Uh, We are sobered and we are um, caught up short, especially when you charge us to be ruthless uh, in uh, rooting out uh, sin that lurks within us. Lord, I want to pray uh, this morning for those who struggle. And I want to pray especially this morning for those who have quit struggling. And I want to pray this morning for those who have been hurt by the lustful intent of others. And I want us all, as we think about uh, these issues, and as we hear your words, uh, to turn uh, from ourselves, uh, turn from our own ways, uh, and entrust ourselves to you. I pray today that we would take you at your word and that we would take you at uh, your gifts yourself, your sacrament, your word, your spirit, your people. Lord, I pray that you would help us today uh, to, um, in hope, repent and trust enjoy, joy of the work that you have done on our behalf. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So, as we uh, come today to Matthew 5, 27, we're in the section of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus, uh, like two weeks ago, we said, you've heard it said that uh, you shall not murder, and he addresses the issue of the heart, of our hatred, and our uh, despising of other uh, human beings. And so today, he's going to address the issue of adultery and uh, what's going on in our hearts about that. And so, um, let me begin, uh, uh, or uh, as we begin this text today, uh, this is a a very straightforward and uh, challenging uh, word uh, from the Lord, but I want to assure you this morning that Jesus gives you everything you need to hear and believe and to do this morning. Uh, so, Matthew five twenty-seven to 30, this is God's word, we should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. So this is a, 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 as I said, this is a hard-hitting text. It's one that gets uh, right at uh, the nature of what goes on in our hearts, what we do with our bodies, what we do with our eyes and our hands, and as we'll see uh, a parallel text, what we do with our feet. And so I I just want us to uh, come to grips this morning with uh, the reality of what Jesus is getting at here and why he speaks so forthrightly and directly and in such a challenging way uh, about this. Um, We live uh, in a day and age where we're confused And we live in a day and age where that confusion is driven in large part by the fact that we believe that we are autonomous individuals, uh, that we uh, make and determine our own destinies and our own way in the world. What the gospel says to us and what Jesus is getting at here, and as we'll unpack this more uh, uh, this morning is that is not the case. And in fact, uh, the confusion, the fear, the uh, kind of the inhumanity that the world puts upon us is that we have all of us running around as if we were autonomous individuals seeking our own way. And as a result, uh, there's a lot of unhappiness, a lot of brokenness, and uh, a lot of despair and discouragement. And so Jesus actually has very good words to say to us today in this challenging text that that he is bringing to us. And so I I know that for some of you this morning, you roll your eyes when you hear this text about uh, adultery uh, when you look with lustful intent at someone. And the reason why you roll your eyes is because maybe you think, well, I have struggled with this sin for all of my life all of my adult life and i am defeated and i despair and so i quit don't want anybody to know i've quit struggling but i've quit or uh, there are some of us uh, here this morning who uh, hear this and think uh, uh, that uh, all uh, of us in particular men in particular uh, will never be able to uh, confront or deal with this issue. And Jesus has words to say uh, to those of us who think that, right? So, as we said a couple of weeks ago, Brian, you put my notes up there. What Jesus is doing here is he's kind of overturning the common teaching of the day. La- two weeks ago, we, Jesus said, you've heard it said uh, that you shall not murder and then he turns that to say that real righteousness is not so much about what you do, behavior is important, but what's really important is what's going on in your heart that drives that behavior. And so that's, that's a place for us uh, uh, to begin today. And so, so it's not just a matter of saying uh, that you don't murder people, but when you despise them, you tell them they're idiots or fools, or you uh, uh, look down upon them that way. Um, or you live in a, an unwillingness to be reconciled to people, then you're committing murder. And so today, he's going to go at uh, the, the commandment about adultery. Now, what was commonly taught by the rabbis was, listen, you know, if you, if you remain faithful, at least in your behavior, you're not committing adultery. The problem with that is what, the, what, uh, what the, the rabbis were doing was they were ignoring the 10th commandment. The 10th commandment says you shall not covet anything that belongs to somebody else. And so as a result of that, uh, they had turned uh, the commandment about adultery to simply something about behavior without getting at the issue of the heart. Coveting, this, this 10th commandment is such a rich and profound commandment because coveting is something that has to do with desire Coveting is something that has to do, that happens first and foremost inside of us, and as a result of it happening inside of us, we, it's something we tend, many of us, to kind of hide and to kind of coddle and to, to kind of comfort ourselves with the fact that, well, at least I'm not acting on these things that I'm thinking about. But what Jesus wants us to say, and I want to be very clear about this at, at the outset, as he uses very harsh language, right? Cut your hand off, gouge your eye out. Um, uh, is to be ruthless and our understanding and our approach to how the gospel empowers us to live a faithful life. Now, the, the thing that's important for us to, to un, 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 uh, unpack about this is is that that Jesus understood uh, very clearly, uh, when he said these things, that he wasn't telling people to actually cut their hands out or gouge their eyes out if they were looking with uh, lustful uh, intent. What he meant was, put a guard up. Put a guard up. Put yourself in a situation where uh, you're, you're not looking where you're not supposed to look. Uh, and if you find yourself looking where you're not supposed to look, Have the guard (laughs) shut your eyes. Don't put your hands where they're not supposed to be. Don't, as we'll see from Matthew 18, don't go where you don't need to go. And so it's important for us to kind of understand that at the very outset, that part of what the gospel does for us is it puts up boundaries for us. It puts up guardrails for us, for us to live joyful, happy uh, lives in the midst of a fallen world and that's what jesus is going to get at here right so next next slide uh, and what we see about this is, is that jesus must have talked like this a number of times because in matthew 18 you know 13 chapters later he says if your if your hand or your foot causes you to stumble Cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown uh, into the fires of hell, right? So, what he's getting at here is that, that this is a serious matter, that this is something that we need to think very long and hard about. Now, let me be clear. Uh, There were people in the early centuries of the church who took this literally, who cut their hands off, who cut their feet off, who gouged their eyes out. The reason why we know that people did that is not just because they recorded it, but it actually took a church council in 325 AD to say, cut that out. (laughs) Stop doing that. That's not... Jesus wasn't literally telling you to do that. What he's saying is to put a guard up over these things so that we can live in the freedom that he died to give us, right? And in fact, you know, that was one of the reasons for the beginning of the, uh, the monastic movement was uh, people thought, well, if we close ourselves off from the world, we can shut ourselves off from the lust of the eyes. The problem with that was, as many of the, as they all found out is, uh, they brought the lust into the monastery with them. Because it was in here, right? It was an issue, first and foremost, of the orientation uh, of the heart, right? And so this is an important thing for us to see as we, uh, next slide as we, as we unpack this, is that what Jesus is going to get at here is that what happens in our hearts, the, the lustful intent, the, the things that, that drive us, our desires, have a connection and a relationship with what we do with our bodies. Uh, that's why he says, you know, the things that you see, the things that you do and the places that you go, that's why he, he connects it to those things so that, that we're careful uh, to understand that we put ourselves in places where we shouldn't be, right? Now, the, the fact of the matter is, it, we, we, uh, we ought to be able to live in this world in the freedom that Jesus has given us. And, and we can live in the freedom that he's given us uh, if we understand that the freedom that he gives us, he also gives us the power to live the life that he calls us to live, right? So, Jesus is getting at the relationship between what we see, what we do, where we go, and sin. Now, there's a difference between looking, doing, going, and sinning, right? You, uh, we, we can look at people, we can look at beauty, and appreciate it for what it is, without indulging ourselves in some sort of lustful intent or some sort of coveting intent. Now, how do we do that? And how how do we we get at that? Well, uh, Jesus uses this very strong language here that is very kind of upsetting in some ways, right? That we cut our hands off, we gouge our eyes out, or we cut our feet off. That's stunning to hear that. And it's stunning to hear him warn in such a way that that sin is such serious business that it might require pain, discipline, and struggle on our behalf uh, to live the life that He's called us to live, right? Uh, but what you should see here is that this ruthless discipline is not a discipline devoid of grace. In fact, it is a discipline driven by grace, it is a discipline driven. Uh, by Jesus's work on uh, on our behalf. And that's important for us to, to understand because the way we tend to think about this is, is that Jesus stands apart from us and he's shouting at us and uh, disapproving of us and saying these harsh things to us uh, as if there was, uh, as if he, you know, Look, you know, straighten up, do better without appreciating and understanding who we are, who he is, and what it is that he has done uh, to make us his. And that's the important thing for us to take away from this this morning. Next slide. The first thing that we have to see about this is, is that the human, be- the human body is holy. Now, i want going to be clear about that, Right? It is a holy thing to be protected no matter whose body it is. Now, how do we know that? Well, we know that primarily the Bible gives us at least two reasons for that. The first one is this. Human beings are created in the image of God. Sometimes we water down what it means to be created in the image of God to simply mean something like we have a moral sense or we have, uh, we have something spiritual going on in us. But the fact of the matter is, your body is as much a part of you and is as much a part of the image of God as any other part of you. Uh, when, um, and, and we get so confused about that because we look at bodies sometimes as, uh, as things either that are ugly or things that are to be worshipped. I, I, I go to a, a gym and there's very clear signs up in our gym that say, you're not supposed to take your uh, phone into the dressing room.
1: You know why?
0: Because the guys ignore that and they're standing in front of the mirrors in their underwear taking pictures of themselves all flexed up. It's hilarious. Uh, this, This week I was in the gym and there were some boys in there doing that and I purposefully walked between them and the mirror to be like, you have the bald old guy with the towel wrapped around him here, you know, in your picture while you flex there, buddy, right? Now, maybe I'm jealous that my human body is not, well, my human body is just as holy as theirs is. And theirs is just as holy as mine is. So, so the fact of the matter is, God made us embodied people our bodies matter when I was a when I was a kid uh, I remember in rural North Carolina when someone would die you know we have the ritual where you either go to the person's house and they're uh, laying there in their casket in the living room or the den or you go to the funeral home and the lids open and you can see them and I remember as a kid I was eight years old going to my grandfather's funeral and uh, I love my grandfather he was uh yeah, he was a great guy. And I remember looking at him in his, in his uh, uh, coffin, and I'm like, that doesn't really look like him, but I can kind of tell it's him. And then I looked at his hands, and his hands were very distinctive. They were one of the things about him that I looked at often, and I could tell. Yeah, that's, that's Papa. I, I see it in his hands. Well, a couple of my aunts are standing there by me as they're looking down at him, and they're like, don't worry, little Steve. That's not Papa. He's not there. I was like, well, wait, are we in the wrong place? I thought we were, I thought we were at his funeral. That's terrible to say that. Because Jesus is going to raise that dust on the last day. He loves that body. Jesus died for that body. Jesus created us in the image of God, and part of that means that we have bodies. But secondly, Jesus Christ sanctifies human flesh, bodies, by taking one on himself, right? And so, 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 the, so the, the very fact that Jesus came into the world, and he didn't walk around like a ghost. He didn't, he didn't walk around as some kind of disembodied thing. He walked around in a body. He he had nerve endings. He he ate. He he drank. He slept. You know. He did. He, that, that's that's the reality that we have to see about that. And so so the fact of the matter is, it's not just that we have these bodies, and it's not just that they're good things. They're actually holy, and we 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 should begin to look at our own bodies as holy, and we certainly should look at the bodies of our neighbors as holy as being uniquely created in the image of God, and that Jesus sanctifies human flesh by taking flesh on himself, right? And so, so whether that body is an unborn child, whether that body is someone who is different from you, whether that body is, 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 is infirm or broken with sickness or addiction or whatever, it doesn't matter. In the economy of God, every human body is holy. And that's where we begin with this. And that's, that's the thing that, that Jesus wants us to see here. And that's why it's such an important thing for us to understand how our hearts, the things we see, the things we touch, the places we go, lead our body to places that, that perhaps are, are, don't reflect the holiness and the uniqueness that God has given to us, right? So what I do with my eyes is a matter of holiness, both for myself because they're my eyes, they're in my body, and this body is holy, and what I look at is a body is also holy, uniquely belonging to created in the image of God. And therefore, as I, as I think about that, that begins to shape the way I begin to discipline myself as I think about this. But more than that, Paul goes on to tell us in 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. When I was a kid, growing up in rural North Carolina, going to church, this, this verse, do you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, was always used and always preached uh, to keep people from drinking and smoking which was so weird because all the elders and deacons at our church were out on the front porch of the church before church started smoking like smokestacks. I mean, you could pick up so much secondhand smoke on the way into church uh, and uh, because they couldn't stand to go 45 minutes or an hour without a cigarette. And I always thought, well, this is so odd that we're so down on cigarettes, and the leaders of our church are out there enjoying them. Man, did they enjoy them. I, I remember watching these guys just suck it into the very bottom of their lungs, and I was like, that is amazing. That looks so good. <laughs> right? Right? But what Jesus is getting at here is not so much a a prohibition against smoking or drinking or eating too many cheeseburgers or chocolate chip cookies or those sorts of things. Those those things certainly matter. But what he's getting at here is is that our bodies are holy because they're created in the image of God, but they're also the place where the Holy Spirit of God lives. And in fact, they're not even ours. You are not your own for you're bought with a price so glorify god in your body and this is the thing i think that is so profound for us this morning that jesus is 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 instructing us about is the power to begin to change our hearts to change our attitudes and to redirect what we do with our bodies begins with the fact uh, that, that what the gospel does for us is it sets us free from the prison of our own autonomy. Because we belong to him, right? Next, next slide. We say around here a lot, right? The, uh, the, the Heidelberg Catechism question and answer number one. I'm not my own, but belong body and soul to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood. Do you you see that? Do you see the physical body, kind of the, the stuff that's going on there? That I belong body and soul. These fingernails, right? This skin. It's not even my own. It belongs to Jesus because Jesus took on flesh and took on my sin, died for me, and rose again for me live the life that i could never live so that he could not just forgive my sin but live within me and give me the power to begin to look like him you see that's that's the thing that 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 he's that he's that he's getting at here and that's why it is so good for us and so so necessary for us to recognize that our bodies aren't even our own, that they are a stewardship, really, and that Jesus bought them by taking his own body and sacrificing it for ours, right? Uh, Alan Noble's written a book called You're Not Your Own. Uh, it's a great book. I would recommend uh, all, all of uh, you reading it. It's, it's kind of dense, and it, you know, uh, it's taken me a long time to read it. Uh, don't read it at night before you go to bed, um, but it is... He's really awesome. And he says this, if Paul is correct and we're not our own, we do not have the freedom to use another human being's body as a tool to consume intimacy like we consume any other mass-produced product, regardless of how efficient and safe it might appear. Because our limits are not determined by ourselves or even other humans, but by the one to whom we belong. And that's the great news for us in what Jesus has to say today. When Jesus says these things to us, these very direct things, what he's saying is is that the pathway to life, the pathway to joy, is found within these limits that he sets for us. Because he made us, because he redeemed us, and because he loves us, and because we belong to him. He is ours and we are his. And as a result of that, he is the one who best knows what's best for me. Now, I know for for many people that that hear this and for many people who uh, uh, think about this, this becomes becomes a little bit scary, doesn't it? Because what we think about that is, wait, you mean I'm not in charge? Wait, I'm, I'm not the one who makes the decision about what I do with my body. No, you're not. But the one who owns your body loves you. You're so very dear to him that his work of living, dying, and rising again for you and his laying out for you the pathway of joy and life is so rich and full and free Even if, even if this discipline... Seems painful at the time. Next slide. Um, one of the things that you have to see about this is, and one of the things that, that is, uh, I wish we had more time to go into this today, but obviously we don't, is that there's almost always a connection in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament. I mean, there's whole books in the Old Testament written about this between adultery and idolatry. Idolatry is be- betraying your belonging to God, and adultery is be- be- betraying your belonging to God and to a spouse, right? And so that's, that's exactly what, what Jesus is getting at here, is, is that when we begin to uh, yield and when we begin to give in to these, these things that our eyes see, that our hands touch, and that our feet run to, we're acting as if we have another God. We're acting as if we have another Lord, right? But because I'm in Christ and belong to him, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, but that spirit enables me to live like Jesus wants me to live, fully human and fully his. Now here's the thing about this is, and this is, this, this is the thing that we have to see, that, that what Jesus is getting at here involves dying to ourselves, involves dying to sinful inclinations to rise to newness and fresh and beautiful and wonderful life. That's what discipline, this kind of discipline does for us. Um, As many of you know, uh, um, Marty had surgery back at the beginning of, of December. And one of the things that she's supposed to do to get better one of the things, she, the disciplines that she's supposed to do is she's supposed to walk. And so she's up this week to, have, to being able to walk 20 minutes at a time. And um, So on Thursday, I, I, you know, I tried to take this week off, but on Thursday, I thought, let's do something. And, and Marty knows that living with me is like living with a terrier. And, and that is, if you don't do something, you can't live with him. I got to be busy. I got to do something. I got to do something. Did I say I have to do something? I have to do something. So I thought, hey, I got the whole day off. Let's go down to Williamsburg. Um, Now, when I think about going to Williamsburg, when we would go as, as a family, we walk a lot. So it didn't occur to me, wait, she's up to walk in 20 minutes. So we're walking down Duke of Gloucester Street, and uh, I think I'm doing a great job <laughs> of walking very slowly and very carefully, stopping, looking at all the wreaths, admiring them, getting ideas for our wreath next year, ooing and eyeing. And she begins to say to me, wow, this muscle hurts. Wow, I didn't know... This muscle was that out of shape. This, this muscle hurts. We, we need to sit down. But you got to work those muscles, even if you have to stop, even if you have to rest, to get up to work them to get healthy. Right? And is there a little pain involved, a lot of pain involved? Yes. But that pain leads to strength, leads to life, right? Here's the thing. Jesus gives us this commandment. He's very direct with us about it, and yet he gives us his spirit. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you. Secondly, Jesus gives you the word of the gospel to tell you that not only are you forgiven, but you belong to him by virtue of his life, death, and resurrection. Your body belongs to him. He loves it. He loves you. Thirdly, what we recognize is, is that Jesus not only gives us himself, not only gives us his spirit, but he gives us the sacrament. He gives us something to hold in our hands and to taste with our tongues and to see with our eyes because this, He knows that we are embodied people, right? That we have bodies, that we need something that is tangible in our world to remind us of the fact that we are not our own, that Jesus died our death and rose again for us and that we belong to Him. But that's not all. Not only does Jesus give us that, But He gives us each other. He gives us each other. As a body of Christ, we love one another. In a little bit, I'll come down here and I'll read the words of institution to the Lord's Supper. And then we will read together... A confession of sin. We confess our sins together every Sunday in church. It's a wonderful thing, a beautiful thing, something that we should engage with more fully probably than we do. But I want to tell you something this morning that there are some of you this morning who need to confess, not just to Jesus but you need to confess to one another. And when you hear the confession of a brother or sister of their sin, they are giving you and entrusting you with something so precious. So precious. To give you the opportunity to love them, to stand with them, to help them uh, if they need uh, uh, help guarding their eyes and their feet and their hands, to join them in partnership with Jesus and the Holy Spirit to do that work with them. We're not our own. We belong body and soul to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who has placed us in a body of believers, A body of brothers and sisters who share the same infirmities and struggles and difficulties that we all do and remind one another of who it is that we belong to who it is that died who it is who owns us body and soul it's a very precious thing to confess our sins to one another It's a very precious thing to be uh, uh, trusted with someone telling you about the struggle that they have with their eyes. And so as we come to the table today, it provides an opportunity uh, for us and an opportunity to us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of love. Brothers and sisters, hear these. Words.